Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. All right, let us get started. If you want a head start on where we are for the first hour of the program, let me direct you to my Twitter account, Jeff Wagner. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Sent out a couple tweets yesterday, getting a large response to, to them. It was one of those deals where, you know, after dinner, I, I sat down at my computer and was kind of like looking at stuff, and these two stories popped up. And both of them, it was at that point I'm thinking, gosh, I can't wait to get into work and start talking about these with people. Let us get started. All right. Now, I I have expressed over the last several months, I have expressed some of my concerns with the statewide mask mandate. First of all, I, I'm not anti-mask, but I, but I am pro-common sense. I, I think the – I think – a statewide mask mandate is wrong. I, I think it's illegal. I don't think the governor has a legal authority to do it. Moreover, I, I think what has to happen is I think it should be based on what is going on in different communities. And I've been consistent with that over the months. I felt that way, you know, going back to the safer at home order. I, just because you've got an outbreak in Milwaukee doesn't mean that those rules need to be the same as in Minocqua or, or wherever. I think local officials should be able to tailor the, the rules. But but all right, that, that that's just where I'm, I stand on this. I know you might agree with me, you might disagree with me on this, but but that's fine. I, I also think some of the mask mandate rules are are silly. And and yes, I, I use that word. You know, Dane County has a rule which says that if you invite people over to your house, the law is that those people have to wear a man have to wear a mask. I think that's silly. I think it's unenforceable. It's impractical, and and it makes the other rules just like a laughing stock because okay, nobody is going to do that. I think Milwaukee and the requirement in the city that you wear a mask outdoors in almost all situations is again an overreach. I drive around the city of Milwaukee. I, I see people working outside all the time in close proximity. I don't see anybody following this. And if you look at the science, they will tell you that the coronavirus really doesn't spread outside. It, it's you can be outside and then you run in and you hang out at the beach bar. That that's where the issue is. But but again I, I digress on that. Reasonable people can agree or disagree with those things. But then we have what may be, and I'm willing to discuss this, the most stupid mask edict to come out of the Evers administration. All right. Here is the headline. And I, I want to discuss this because I, I'm curious as to your reaction as to whether you agree with me that this is just if it were, well, I'd say if the order were any more dumb, it would oink. But that might be an insult to, to swine. But I, I'm willing to discuss this. Is this as dumb as I believe it is? Or is this, oh, my gosh, we're, we're really on to something and now we all need to do it. All right. Here is the headline in the Journal Sentinel. The Department of Natural Resources 
tells employees to wear masks during Zoom calls. Now, everybody knows what Zoom is. Zoom is the the thing where we're all doing the Zoom meetings nowadays because you can't be in person in the office. So you go in, you, you log on, and you're sitting at your desk, and somebody else is sitting somewhere else, and, and you're, you're on the Zoom call. DNR tells employees to wear masks during Zoom calls even when they are alone at home. The head of the Department of Natural Resources is telling employees to wear face masks on teleconferences, even when they're not around others and at no risk of spreading coronavirus. Natural Resources Secretary Preston Cole reminded employees in a July 31st email that Governor Tony Evers' mask order was going into effect the next day. That means every DNR employee must wear a mask while in a DNR facility, noted Cole, an appointee of the Democratic governor. Okay, so... All right, you're, you're in the building. Now, we talked about this when it first came out. I thought this was silly. You're in your private office in the state office building or in the DNR building. You're not around anybody. You're in your private office, but the rule says you have to wear your mask. All right, okay, I thought that was silly, but that's the rule. Quote, also, wear your mask even if you are home to participate in a virtual meeting that involves being being seen, such as on Zoom or another video conferencing platform by non-DNR staff. Set the safety example that shows you as a DNR public service employee care about the safety and health of others. So in other words, if you are working at home, You are in your home office. You're sitting at your desk. You're on this conference. You are not around anybody else. You are by yourself. You are supposed to wear your mask on the Zoom conference. All right. My tweet was, this is just flat out crazy. Um, I mean, seriously, if you wonder why some people find mask rules and some of Evers' edicts ridiculous, I would argue that this is Exhibit A. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Actually, the story in the Journal Sentinel, they actually go out and they, they actually quote um, some some doctor on this saying, um, <clears throat> well, there, there's no reason to routinely wear a mask in your home Unless, unless you're you're wearing the mask to protect somebody that that's living with you, but but beyond that, there, there's no real reason to do this. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I'm sorry. Th- this this is the type of order that I think makes reasonable people, even people that might support the mask mandates and all that. You look at this and you say, Have we gone completely and totally mad? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Here's a text. Jeff, should I wear a seatbelt while sitting at my home office chair because later in the day I might go drive my vehicle? Yeah, yeah. And the justification is, well, we want to we want to encourage people to wear masks and we want to show good examples. Well, well maybe you, you should be smart. Encourage people to wear masks when the masks are appropriate, necessary, and useful to stopping the transmission of coronavirus. But make yourself, I think it makes the state look just flat out silly to be telling people, 
All right, you know, wear masks when you're by yourself in your own home. I mean, what, what's next? All right, we, we want everybody, if you work for the state agency, we want you to wear masks 24-7. Sleep with the things, shower with the things, because in the event somebody sees you, we want to make sure you send a good message. Well, the message you're sending is that you're, you're just so over the top with this. I think it diminishes your efforts to try to, you know, get people to wear masks when most of us would agree that they should. Ray in Illinois. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Okay, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Ray. You've got to be making this up, right? I swear I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. you Fo- know, follow okay. me on Twitter. I've got a I link to the story. I nope. <laughs> nope. I, I, I do follow you on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I, I call this stupid, but it's an insult to stupid. It is, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, okay, I mean, I mean look, I, look I, I'm pro-mask. Okay, yep. and I believe in wearing them. I believe in wearing them inside, certainly. I believe in wearing them outside, too, except when I'm exercising or eating and drinking. Sure. But my goodness, I mean, on a virtual meeting? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you, you are, so you are, sitting at, you are sitting at your house in your, at your desk, and you are supposed mm-hmm. to wear them, I guess. I, I, I don't know what, what message that is going to convey. Maybe that you don't have the common sense that God gave a goose because you're wearing a mask when you don't need to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, 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 no, no, thanks for the call. No, I get there, this is virtue signaling. I, I understand the the idea was well, you know, we we want to encourage people to wear masks, and so we want the DNR employees if they're interacting with other people, we we want them to send the right message. Well, no, I think the message you're sending is like I say, you're, you're following some stupid rule that doesn't make any sense at all. And so, and here's the problem. When when you try to convince people to follow other rules, and, and look, this is what we want you to do, and this is how we want you to handle things, for all those people out there that kind of like roll their eyes and say, well, I don't think we need masks in this situation or that, they, they point to this and say, well, okay, defend this. And it is, of course, I think, indefensible. Let's talk to Linda in Brookfield. Hi, Linda. Hi, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? I, well, I, I don't think I could say it any better than, than you guys have already said it. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Um, I think it's insulting. I think it runs along the same lines as, you know, everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a trophy. You know, everybody should wear the mask because we want everybody to feel good about it. Right, right. It's, it's ridiculous. Right, you know, it's it's the ultimate virtue signaling here. Here, we 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 want you to wear a mask because we think masks are a good thing. Well, I'm I'm not disagreeing with masks being appropriate in certain situations, but I mean, what what is next? Is the Evers administration going to say, all right, well, we want you to wear that mask to bed because, well, you know, who knows? Somebody might break into your house and see you not wearing that mask, and then they might be encouraged to not wear a mask themselves. It's just it's just flat out bizarre. It, it is. It makes no sense. I was saying earlier that I think it it makes this be the most. It, it's the greatest social experiment of all time, in my opinion. You now have moved past protecting the people, and now you're just testing the waters to see how bizarre can we go. How how much can we get people to do? Um, well, that that's that's exactly it. No, I, I think so. Uh, you know, here's a text, Jeff. If your boss tells you to wear something when the public is seeing you, then you should do it. It's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. See, see, here's here here is the the thing. 
if we are trying and if we're going to be successful in trying to get people to wear masks, what you have to do is you have to make it reasonable. You have to say, okay, these are the situations when you need to wear masks. Okay, if, if you're inside, you know, public buildings, if you're going to be exposed to other people, that's when we want you to wear masks. Okay, then you tailor it to what the response is, not just, well, well, here, you're at home, you're on this Zoom meeting. I mean, wh- where do you draw the line? I, I watch, you know, when they do these public health things, I watch Barrett all the time, and, you know, he's, he's doing it from his kitchen. He's not wearing a mask. He's by himself in his kitchen. It would be dumb for Tom Barrett to be wearing a mask when he's by himself in this kitchen on on the Zoom meeting. Everybody recognizes that. And when you decide that, okay, we're going to just put masks on in all these bizarre situations where people understand it is not going to accomplish anything at all. And if the idea is, well, we're trying to send a a quote unquote message that we want people to wear masks. Well, you're, you're not accomplishing that. I think, again, it's counterproductive because all it does is convince people that the people that are making the mask rules have just gone completely and totally over the, the top and, and over the edge. Tailor the rule to what the need is. And then explain why it's important for people to do this. And I don't think anybody is arguing that, gee, if you're by yourself in your own home, absent that rare situation where you live with somebody who is particularly vulnerable to COVID-19, you know, that's where you wear it. Otherwise, let's just focus on trying to get people to follow the rules that end up making sense. I mean, is that too much to ask? John in Brookfield. John, you're in WTMJ. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Sure. And I appreciate the insights of you and the previous callers as well. Um, my only point would be this. I, first of all, am pro-mask within reason, and I do think that this sounds like kind of a joke, right? Um, what is interesting is we've seen some bizarre recommendations on both ends of the spectrum, this being a very bizarre left-wing recommendation going all the way over to people who still believe that this pandemic is a hoax on the right wing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't think this is the right way to set a precedent that we should have people wearing masks, but I think they're just trying to do the lead-by-example idea. Like if you had a coach in youth sports who did the conditioning drills with you, even though it's unnecessary and totally illogical, he's not playing the game. The idea is maybe more people will buy in, but it's a really difficult situation, and I understand both perspectives. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Well, to me, when, when it comes to public health, and if you're, especially if you're taking a, an, an idea that is controversial in some areas, like, like wearing masks. And again, I, I'm, I'm not anti-mask. I, I think, you know, there, there are situations where it, it makes lots of sense to wear them. There are situations where I think it makes little sense to wear them. But if you're trying to sell the general public on the idea that we're, you're going to wear masks, you know, in, in those situations where I think most reasonable people would agree it's a good idea. Okay, if you're going to go into that crowd at the store, you know, put on the mask if you're inside. Like I say, outside, science is is a lot, lot sketchier on, on whether it's going to make any difference or not. But but uh, I'm not even arguing that. But you got to, I, I think, be willing to say, okay, this is why we have this rule. We're telling people to wear the masks if you're inside public places because we think, you know, that it gets transmitted inside the public places and, you know, we don't want you to be exposed and we don't want you to expose other people. Okay, you, you can make that argument. But that's a tough enough sell that then you add this thing that, but now if you're at your own house, 
You're on a computer. You are by yourself. But we want you to wear a mask, even though there's absolutely no health savings or risk or concern at all, because, well, we we want you to show support that you're you're with the whole mask concept. Well, unless the governor is seriously considering expanding an overall edict, telling people that they've got to wear masks 24 seven, including when they're in their house. And trust me, if he does that, that's when you have the Republicans in the legislature come back and I guarantee you they overturn the mask edict if it ends up going that far. I'm just saying this is the kind of virtue signaling that makes no no sense at all. Jeff, I don't see most people buying it. I think most people think it's nuts and it makes him think that why are we wearing a mask to begin with? You see that that's it. You you diminish the, the whatever moral authority you have in saying science says we merit wear masks under these situations by then saying, OK, we're going to wear masks in situations that I think almost everybody, you know, uh, agrees is just completely incompetent. Um, Jeff, I, I went to vote. I did not have to wear a mask in Milwaukee. Yeah, you, you the Constitution says what you have to do in the voting thing, and they don't have the authority to do this. Jeff, sheep, they are all sheep. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. Um, a number of people are making the illusion on, on the text line to, um, yeah, um, we, let me see. How can I put this well? All right, wearing a mask when you are by yourself in your house on a Zoom conference call, well, I, I don't know. It's sort of like wearing a condom when you're having sex by yourself. Maybe that that would be the analogy that a number of people are making on the text line, except in a much more direct fashion. But it, it's, it, it's well, you want to send a message. You know, aren't, aren't you a proponent of safe sex? Well, all right, we're, we're going to do that. All right. Well, I'm just warming up. But yes, that's that's the Evers DNR. And the, the weird thing is, after they say this, they, they still they don't understand why this is so crazy. When we come back, he may be the worst state legislator ever. Yes, I said ever. And I understand that's that's a big, big universe. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, new Marquette University Law School poll out. I understand that there are many people who, given the track record of polls and pollsters over the last several years, just don't think polls are, are worth the, the effort. And I, I certainly understand that, and I, I appreciate it. And I think polling is a lot less accurate now than it was, say, 10 or 15 years ago. But but nevertheless, I think it, it's interesting and fair to look at particularly polls and and the progression that is okay if there's a poll taken for example every month you know and as long as it's the same methodology you you see where the polls results were in march and then you see where it is in in august and it gives you at at least an idea as to whether or not there's any trends i I don't think they're definitive and I, i certainly don't think anybody should be betting the ranch on the results of polls but nevertheless i think it's interesting and certainly certainly a a source for conversation. Okay, so here are the numbers. Um, the New Marquette Law School poll, which was taken in early August, um, finds among likely voters, which is what you want to look at. There, there's some polls look at registered voters. Likely voters is what you want to pay attention to because there's a lot of people who are registered who, who don't go out and vote. One of the reasons why some polls, and I've talked about this over the years, don't 
one of the reasons that they don't focus on likely voters is the way polling works is, is you have to pay people to ask every question. And the way that you find out whether somebody is likely to vote is you ask them questions about their their past voting history. For example, when, when you say, are you likely to vote? Everybody says they're likely to vote. That, that's just how it, yeah, I'm going to vote. But, but not everybody does. And so the best predictor of whether you're likely to vote or not is whether you voted in, in past elections. So you have to ask questions. You know, who did you vote for for president in 2016? Well, I didn't vote. Okay, who did you vote for in 2012? Well, I didn't vote. You know, and if and if somebody says that they're likely to vote in 2020, they, they may well vote. But if it turns out that they haven't voted in the last five or six presidential elections, they're not as likely to vote as that person who has religiously voted in you know every election for the last 15 years. But to find that out, you have to ask more questions, which means it becomes more expensive. Which is why some polls do a crummy job of identifying the likely voters. But anyhow, Marquette University Law School poll likely voters finds Joe Biden supported by 49% of the public, Donald Trump supported by 44%. That is essentially um, unchanged in, let's see, in June, it was Biden 50%, Trump 44. So it statistically, it, it's pretty much identical. Um, it was a six-point lead a couple months ago. Now it's it's a five-point lead. Statistically, un, uh, uh, there's no distinction. Among registered voters, it's Biden 48, Trump 42. So it, it's essentially the same. There's no big split between registered and registered voters and otherwise. Support for Biden and Trump in different regions of the state, relatively stable. Biden has big leads in Milwaukee and Madison. Trump leads in the rest of the, the Milwaukee area. Um, the Fox Valley, most closely divided part of the state, Biden at 50 percent, Trump at 45 percent. If Donald Trump is going to carry Wisconsin again, the, the reality is he's got to do very, very well, of course, in the counties that surround Milwaukee County, and he's got to do well in the Fox Valley. If if the Fox Valley, because you've got to make up for what's going to be a big Democrat vote in, in Madison and in Milwaukee. So if he's going to do that, he, he's got to... He's got to flip those numbers probably even more. Um, if, it, if it does turn out to be 50, 45, Biden over Trump in the Fox Valley, that Green Bay, Appleton area, uh, President Trump is not going to win Wisconsin in 2020. Overall job performance for the president, 44% approve, 54% disapprove. In June, it was 45, 51. So a little bit worse, but again, statistically pretty much un unchanged with that. Um, and again, and, and I've, I've said this all along, if if it were not for the pandemic, this election would look completely and, and totally different because this election, at least as it stands right now, isn't going to be a referendum on the economy. It's not going to be a referendum on social justice issues. It, it's going to be a referendum on, on coronavirus. And uh, the numbers in the Marquette poll in Wisconsin, 40% approve of the president's handling of coronavirus issues, 58% disapprove. And, and there's no question in my mind that that's, that is, that's driving, you know, the, the approval ratings down, people unhappy with 
what whatever you know and I, I mean i think you know it's a fair question to say okay what do you think the president could have done differently should he have been more empathetic should he have ordered i don't know nationwide mask orders should he have shut down the country i mean those are things but the bottom line is people are unhappy about all the things that are going on with coronavirus issues and they're taking it out on the person in this case that's in the white house and you're, you're starting to see that in these poll numbers i mean 40 percent approve 58 percent disapprove of his handling handling of the economy still positive 51 percent approve 46 percent disapprove and you know if if the president is going to get reelected, it's going to be because I think people decide to vote their pocketbooks, but um, that's it. Um, okay, overall, 42% have a favorable opinion of the president, 55% unfavorable. Um, 43% have a favorable opinion of Joe Biden, 48% unfavorable. So they're, they're both underwater when it comes to favorable versus unfavorable, which tells me, again, for a lot of people, it's going to be just, I think, like 2016 might have been, kind of a, a choice of the, the lesser of two evils. Marquette Law School poll, they say Biden's numbers are slightly better than Hillary Clinton's numbers were, but only only slightly. Again, the, the polls go on. And it's interesting. They, they, ask about, um, they ask about schools. And um, one of the things that they find about schools is it really, it, it kind of depends on on whether or not you have you have school age children um, that are involved. Um, let's see a number. Of, let me find the the numbers here. Um, essentially, a, a slim majority of people support um, sending kids back for in person instruction. The numbers go up a little bit when, uh, you ask people who have kids, um, you know, people who have kids, you know, they're, they're more in favor of sending kids back to school in person. So you've got those numbers that are there as well. Um, not much support for, not much support for defunding the police. 17% 17% agree, 78% disagree, 76% have favorable views of the police, 13% unfavorable. This is one of the things that, that some of these politicians, including some local politicians, who've decided to hitch their wagon to the, the vocal, small number of people who are protesting, the, the general public isn't with those, those. I don't believe the general public is, is with a, a lot of the protesters that are out there. And to the extent it's targeted at the police, you're, you're not on the right side of history. You're, you're just not. And I think there's going to be a backlash. Um, there's going to be a, a backlash afterwards. So uh, a lot of interesting things that are there. You can kind of take it for what it's worth. Um, Tony Evers approval rating, 57 uh, – 57% of Wisconsin voters approve how he's handling his job. 37% disapprove. Um, dot, 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 and uh, Tammy Baldwin, 43% favorable, 36% unfavorable. Ron Johnson, 33% favorable, 35% unfavorable. My guess is that that's pretty much just a, um, a Republican-Democrat split that's there. So a lot of other stuff that's out there. But the bottom line is, and the big takeaway 
President Trump, if you believe the polls, and this is consistent with other polls, trailing in Wisconsin. It's not like it's a double-digit lead or anything like that, but he's got to turn some stuff around. He's got to do better in the Fox Valley, and he's got to get a handle on the coronavirus issue because I think that's dragging his overall numbers down. All right, when we come back, what? seriously, this guy's in the state legislature. What is he doing? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, just when you think a story can't get weirder, it it does. Now, th- what is going on in in Wauwatosa has been an absolute, in my opinion, travesty for the last couple months. And it's happened with the blessing of the mayor. It's happened with the tacit support of the Fire and Police Commission out there. And it's happened with the overt support of members of the Common Council. We, we all know the story. There's a there's a Wauwatosa police officer. His name is Joseph Mensa. He's black. And I, I always just mention that because it, it takes the racial element out of the story. In the last five years, he has been involved in three separate shootings. The first two have been thoroughly investigated by locals and federal authorities, and they found to be justified. First one was a guy who was attacking Officer Mensa um, with, with a sword. That The second one was somebody who was in like a parking lot in Wauwatosa, had a loaded handgun next to him, apparently reached for the gun, Officer Mensa shot. The third situation happened in February. Uh, security guards had lost control of the situation at Mayfair. They called the police. There's a 17-year-old who apparently was, according to the police, in possession of a stolen handgun, and he fired it at the police, including Officer Mensa. Officer Mensa returned fire, killed the kid. Unfortunate story, but that the, the family of the 17-year-old maintains that he didn't have a gun, didn't shoot. Uh, okay. Wauwatosa police have said they are very confident that Officer Mensa is going to be cleared. All right. But the matter has been under investigation for months and months. I, I don't know why the district attorney is dragging his feet, but that's another story here. But regardless, even though there is no basis, at least this time, for finding any wrongdoing, you, you've had the mob. And, it, and it's a small number of people who have demanded that Officer Mensa be charged. They've demanded that he be fired. They've made numerous attempts to close down Mayfair and have succeeded. They've been allowed to do that because the police department has essentially been ordered to stand down. And they've been conducting these loud, violent, these loud protests um, demanding all this action against Officer Mensa. That, that is the backdrop of this. So what happens over the weekend is the, the mob. And we're not talking about hundreds or thousands of people. We're talking about the usual suspects. And, and it's like 50 or 60 people who were doing some of these tactics in, in Milwaukee and were allowed to get away with it. So they decide they're going to go out to the, the place where Officer Mensa lives with his, his girlfriend in Wauwatosa. Now, beforehand, there's all these there's there's Facebook stuff with some of the protest organizers. They're at this Target store and they're buying tons of toilet paper. So the idea is we're going to go out to this house and we're going to we're going to toilet paper the house. And if you watch videos of this, it's it's just it's just amazing because there's videos of this. You got all these people with these rolls of toilet paper that are throwing toilet paper into the trees and things like that. It's it's like 
I don't know, a cheerleader initiation in for a freshman cheerleader who's made the team in high school. But these are supposedly adults who are out there and they're screaming and they're trespassing on the property, etc., etc. A couple of these people come armed to this. You do not come armed to a peaceful protest. I'm sorry. But, but they're just... They, they, what's happened is you have these protesters that were allowed to do this outside of former Chief Morales's house. They've been allowed to just do this. They've been allowed to close down Mayfair Mall, and the Wauwatosa authorities ha- have not done anything about them. So they're more and more emboldened. So the story that the police tell is that what what happens is you've got all these people that are running onto the, his property. They're throwing the toilet paper. They're screaming. They're chanting, etc. He goes out to engage them and try to calm them down, at which point in time he says, Officer Mensa says he, he's attacked, and somebody somebody ends up firing a shotgun blast through his back door. All right. Brings us to State Representative David Bowen, who has been on the scene at a lot of these these different protests. Bowen, who admits he he was there, but he he didn't see the the shooting. He goes on TV and he says, "Well, I'm I'm looking at the story on today's TNJ four that Officer Mensa came out with a level of aggression that did not match." any of the actions of the folks that were there. By the way, there are videos. You can see all these people running and they're throwing stuff and they're screaming and they're yelling. People were there to advocate for change. This is what Bowen says. The same way they've done it for the last 70 days. Um, Police say about 60 people surrounded the property and vandalized it. And as Mensa tried to talk to the crowd, he was physically assaulted before someone fired a shot at the back door. Um, Bowen who says it was Joseph Mensa that decided to pull the trigger on somebody else's firearm. So according to Bowen, who acknowledges he was there, but says he didn't see this, Mensa took somebody else's shotgun, released the safety, and pulled the trigger and shot him, shot the door himself. I, you, you just You can't make this stuff up. Bowen says he didn't see the actual shooting, but claims to know people he who um, who did. He said what he did see was this before Mensa trying to sick his dog on the protesters and him use pepper spray on them all in response to the protesters throwing toilet paper. All right. Now, I, first of all, the, the Wauwatosa police is going to be coming out with a statement, but they've essentially said um, that that what what the state representative is saying really doesn't hold water. They're, they're going to go into all the details. If you watch the video of this, it's very apparent that you have a, a group that is completely and totally out of control. And I don't know. I mean, I, I started off as a federal prosecutor. The idea that somebody goes out, right, somebody's brought a shotgun to a peaceful protest, and the target of the protest is going to, I don't know, Remove, take off the safety and pull the trigger on that other person's shotgun seems to be a bit of a stretch. But that's, that's not really the aspect of this that, that kind of caught my attention. At some point in time, you would hope that elected officials would act with a degree of maturity. You, you would expect that people who are elected to office would I, I don't know, have more impulse control than that of a fruit fly. You would expect that people who are elected to office would, would at least try to pretend to be the grown-ups in, in the room. So, 
if you watch some of the Facebook stuff that was out there, and, and this is, again, it's fueled by social media. You have some of these activists. They're at the target. We're buying toilet paper. Wait wait till you see what's next. We're going to convoy over here. All right, so they're, they're going out, and I think everybody would agree that whether the intention was to beat up Officer Mensa and, and blow a shotgun round through his back door, the, the intention was we're going to go out to this private residential house and we're going to take silly string and we're going to take toilet paper and we're going to, you know, we're going to TP the house and we're going to just run all over the property. That That's what we're going to do in the name of peaceful protest. All right. So everybody acknowledged is that they were out there to vandalize the house, right? Everybody acknowledges that. And this state representative, David Bowen, he's out there with them. Okay, let's let's put aside the, the shooting and all that sort of stuff. I mean, violence or not, what is a state representative do, be doing there in the first place? I mean, most people, even state representatives, learn to stop toilet papering houses after their junior year in high school. And yet that that's what's going on out there. And again, I, I think... I think once the whole details of this investigation come out, you're going to find just just how out of control the, these protesters were. But but for the moment, you're an elected official, and you're you're out there with this group. Is this really a club that you want to be associated with? But but this is what has been going on, and this is the problem that we've been having in this area. That you have a small group, and it really is. This was fifty or sixty people, so it's not like hundreds, it's not like thousands. They've been allowed to do pretty much what they want in Milwaukee. Here, we're going to go out to Al Morales' house at all hours of the day and night. We're going to turn on boom boxes. We're going to disturb the neighbors, and, and we're going to do what we want because we're the mob, and, and nobody's going to stand up and, and say no to us. And now you've been seeing this in Wauwatosa. I mean, again, a lot of the usual suspects. Let's close down Mayfair Mall. Yeah, that's going to be real good. Let's storm into the Cheesecake Factory, the restaurant by Mayfair Mall. Let's close that down. And now let's go out to a private residence in a residential area at least one person bringing a gun and then let's just behave like again out of control whatever we're gonna and if you watch the video that the neighbors took i mean you you can just see people this is great we're throwing toilet paper here that this is this is our excuse for peaceful protest and apparently there's a state representative on the scene kind of watching all this go on now i don't know if he was chucking toilet paper himself don't suggest that but he was there while all this was going on he doesn't have any problems with this at all if you want to understand how screwed up things are, it's because people who should be encouraging calm and encouraging the process have decided that it's in their political interest to align again with this small group of people. And maybe short term, maybe short term it is. Long term, I don't think this is a winning strategy at all. And I think some of the people in Wauwatosa and some of the people in Milwaukee who have figuratively speaking decided to get into bed with the more out of control elements of the protest movement, I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening at some point in time. We'll wait for the full Wauwatosa police investigation, but gee, Officer Mensa released the trigger, released the safety on the shotgun that somebody had brought to the peaceful protest and shot him, shot through the door himself. Okay, we'll see how that all works out. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, Eric Bilstead, before you leave, I want to put you on the spot. Did you ever TP a house? In high school, yes, I may have thrown a toilet paper roll or two. In high school? Yes. So, But, but not, not since high school. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so not, not, not in college. Nope, nope. And, and certainly not as you've grown up. You, you've, never, you've never gone out and TP'd somebody's no, house. I have not done right. that. Have, have you, I don't know, after high school, would it occur you to you to go like sit outside a house and watch other people like TP somebody's house? I, I guess not. I don't think I would do that. No, you don't think you would do it. I don't think I would watch someone TP a house. Of course no. not. All right, Rue, producing the show today and always. All right, have you ever TP'd somebody's house? I haven't TP'd a house, but me and my friends in high school did other things, like <laughs> other other things to sort of lightly vandalize people's property. Like, give me an example. Okay, now I'm curious. Like, give well, me an example. Like, I, I never did this, uh, but friends of mine <laughs> had, oh, friends. That's had, it. had thrown eggs at people's okay, stuff. You, you, okay. um, or taken a pumpkin. I've taken a pumpkin or two. The one thing that I, me and my friends always, almost always I'm did. I'm starting is, to lose control of this. Okay, you got pumpkins you're throwing? You're throwing <laughs> no, eggs? No, 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 no. Not throwing, throwing Taking, taking. Well, oh, like, stole like a Halloween yes, pumpkin. Yes, okay, right, right. We're giving people a lot of ideas here. Um, <laughs> we had the, well, the I, orange. I hope State Representative David Bowen isn't listening, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, I'm Sorry. Those uh, orange circus peanut candies. If you lick the flat end of them and you stick them on glass, they stick there like like glue. And then when you rip them off, they have like a residue left over on there that takes ages to wash off. <laughs> that, that sounds. Awful. I, I'm learning. I'm learning something new about both of you. I, I guess. But all right. But but I guess the important thing is you you said that this was was done high school. It, yeah, yeah, okay. um, senior year. Senior like year that. in high school. Okay, but so it wasn't after you got out of high school. You kind of outgrew the licking on the the, the orange things and sticking on people's windows. Well, once you hit a certain age, uh, then you're considered an adult, and then you can actually face fines right. and 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 actually face consequences. <laughs> I guess. Right. I, so I guess that's what stopped you. Yeah, I think mostly. <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I thought you were going to say at some point in time you just you just grow up. Well, <laughs> right? being yeah. a thirty year old man. I don't do it anymore. Well, I wouldn't even consider it. But that's that's that is encouraging. Well, and and again, I, I you know I never did that. And I guess I I don't know. Was it? It might have just been fear of getting caught or something like that. It's just I because my parents would not have been happy if if you know I I just I never did I anything like that. Yeah. No. So, but I pre- I, I appreciate your. Your, your candor there. And, and I guess it is interesting that you guys both said, okay, it, it's high school. And again, I, I understand it's kind of the high school prank and you go out and do that. Not countenancing that, but, but you, you do that. Um, it is interesting to me that you've apparently got a state representative who's out there and if not throwing the toilet paper himself is sitting there watching like 40 or 50 or 60 people throw toilet paper at this police officer's house. Now, again, at least one person comes with a shotgun. My guess is when you guys went out and you stuck the little peanut things or Eric when you were teeping house, you didn't bring a shotgun to the I thing. I did not. All right. No. What about a yard? Did you ever fork a yard, get the plastic forks or spoons and stick them in people's yards? Oh, so they have to pick them all up. Yeah, yeah, that was one that I did back in the day. 
I got I got a number of different I was ones. Say, wow. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't. I got to cut you off because I, again, I I think I'm, I'm I'm worried that you got this state representative who's listening. You know, taking notes here. Right? That's, that's what we can do for the next protest. We'll go to uh, the police chief's house and we'll we'll put plastic forks in the yard and then we'll we'll go there and we'll take these these packing peanuts and we'll lick them and we'll put them on the a bunch I, of pink I, flamingos I, I, everywhere. I just, you know, because clearly you have people that have uh, again no impulse control at all and a maturity level of, like, 12-year-olds who have decided that this is what we're going to do. I, I mean, I, again, I can't, I can't get over these. These are elected officials. So this is State Representative David Bowen, who, who's out there with this protest, you know, watching all this while it, it goes on. I, I'm picturing constituents calling up and saying, hey, I, I, I haven't gotten my unemployment check from the, uh, my unemployment payment from the Evers administration for the last five months. Can you help me? Well, now the state representatives out parked outside the, the protest in Wauwatosa watching people throw toilet paper. I, it's just, it is mind boggling that we have reached this point. Hey, hey, something else that is absolutely mind boggling is the, the lengths that some people will go to to try to justify bad behavior. Now, the big story over the weekend in Chicago, which is quickly becoming the homicide capital of of the country, is is you had this uh, again. You had this protest, and it's it's not. It wasn't a protest. It was rioting. It was looting. What happened is in a primarily black neighborhood in Chicago, there was a situation where somebody fired at the police. The police returned fire. All right, that that was the deal. Then on social media, the word got out that the police had shot an unarmed child. Well, that that didn't happen. And then, I mean, that was just false. But using that as kind of a justification, you you saw looting start, and it started in again the, the neighborhood where this occurred. But it quickly spread to downtown Chicago, and so you've got the Miracle Mile that that kind of looks like I mean Berlin after some of the bombs fell in World War II. You had people that were pulling up in in rider rental and rent U-Haul trailers to help loot, and there's image of windows being busted out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the the rioting and the looting spread from the, the Miracle Mile in downtown Chicago out to uh, like uh, like Lincoln Park and things like that. All right, so the mayor, who has been essentially AWOL while police have been attacked during previous protests, she finally recognizes that enough is enough. So yesterday, there was a rally held by the Black Lives Matter group. And look, and I, I understand that nobody speaks for a, a movement, but here's... Let me read you a part of the story as reported on Fox News. Black Lives Matters members in Chicago held a rally Monday, this would be yesterday, to support the more than 100 people arrested Sunday night following widespread looting and rioting that caused $60 million in property damage and saw 13 police officers injured. Right, let, let, me, let me read you that sentence again, and let's let linger out there. Black Lives Matters members in Chicago had a rally on Monday to support the more than 100 people arrested last night following widespread looting and rioting that caused $60 million in property damage and saw 13 police officers injured. The rally was organized by Black Lives Matter Chicago and was held at a police station in the South Loop where organizers say individuals are currently being held in custody. At least one organizer called the looting tantamount to reparations. 
I don't care if someone decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike store because that makes sure the person eats, said Ariel Adkins, a Black Lives Matter organizer, according to NBC Chicago. That makes sure the person has clothes. All right, protesters... um, Hold a banner as Ariel Atkins, lead organizer for Black Lives Matter in Chicago, talks to reporters. This is reparations, Atkins continued. Anything they wanted to take, they can take it because these businesses have insurance. Anything they wanted to take, they can take it because these businesses have insurance. That is reparations. So, it, and again, Nobody speaks for an entire movement, but you at least have people representing part of the Black Lives Matter movement who are justifying $60 million in property damage, justifying injuries to 13 police officers as, well, this is kind of a form of reparations, and the businesses, the businesses have insurance. Okay, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, here, here's what needs to happen on these stories, and, and that is that cooler heads need to, to prevail. And, and whether it's, it's elected officials or community leaders or, or other people who, who represent these protest organizations, they, they need to come out hot and heavy, and they need to say, look, this this is not what our movement is about. Our, our movement is about trying to affect change and social justice or, or whatever. But is, is there any way that anybody can justify looting and the idea that, well, you know, we, we can bust out all these windows and, and we can steal things from Gucci's and we can steal as many, you know, high-end pairs of tennis shoes as we want because, well, it's going to be a form of reparations. You want to talk about a way to completely turn people off to whatever you're trying to accomplish by by your your movement. I, I mean, can you is looting ever justified? Is rioting ever justified? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, again, I, I think you know. I think most reasonable people can uh, agree that. You know, we, we need degrees of social change and, you know, we support the ideas of racial justice and things like that. But if the justification is going to be, yeah, we, yeah, we were we were looting because, well, the businesses have insurance. Man, I mean, do you really want to be part of that club? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and by the way, there there's a lesson for communities across the country, including Milwaukee, from what happened in in Chicago last night or Sunday night. And and that is that when you you stand down, when you look the other way, when you let people behave in a lawless and out of control fashion, and you justify it by saying, "Well, we." We don't want to do anything to upset the people who are engaging in protest without being able to distinguish between what is legitimate protest and what is lawlessness, rioting, looting, anarchy. What you do is you embolden them. I mean, here, here's part of the editorial in the Chicago Tribune today. Mayor Lori Lightfoot.
Bigfoot, Police Superintendent David Brown and Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, she's a piece of work, seem to agree that the looting erupted in a coordinated effort with no fear of consequences. Um, okay, it was an excuse, an inexcusable crime spree, they said. Yeah, no kidding, we all saw it. What's really going on here? This is the editorial board of the Chicago Tribune. Our elected officials admit to a growing sense of lawlessness. The looters knew that they had an opportunity to pillage because of a stand-down posture from police who get little and only late support from the mayor because of a stand-down posture from the state's attorney whose prosecutors brushed aside smash and grab long before Sunday and because of the stand-down position from judges experimenting with bail reform. Yeah, see, that's, that's what's going on here. This Now, it was worse, of course, in, in Chicago on Sunday, but that's what's been going on in Wauwatosa for the last couple months, where you have a small group of people. We're going to storm into Mayfair Mall. We're going to close it down, and they're allowed to do it. We're going to go out to the house of this police officer, and we're going to throw toilet paper, and we're going to vandalize it because we've been allowed to do that because the powers that be have decided to side with the mob. Nothing good is is going to come out of this. And if the idea is that there's some some parts of some of these movements that believe that looting and rioting is justified. Well, that the businesses have insurance. Okay, well, just just ask yourself what's going to happen when when these businesses just decide to close down because they don't want to put up with this. I mean, I, I've said this before. I will say it again. I think Mayfair Shopping Mall right now is at a very tenuous point in its history. First of all, people aren't going to malls in general. Secondly, people are concerned about coronavirus. Third, people are, are shopping more online. Then you add into it the fact that if you're, you know, there, you never know from time to time whether a group of angry protesters is going to storm in, go running through the, the mall, forcing it to close. All you need, it's the perfect storm of events that, that closed down that business. And then what does that do for the tax base of a city? What does it do for all the people who work in that mall? That This what happened in Chicago on Sunday night can happen here. Zach in Waukesha. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. Hey, Zach. Um, you know, I, I was talking to the, um, your producer, and there is there is a point when all peaceful means of protest or trying to change legislation where I can agree with. Um, you know, a, a a riot with a cause. What happened in Chicago, I don't really think was a riot with a cause. You know, the vandalism of the Boston, like with the Boston Tea Party, that directly affected um, the um, British Empire. Doing that, it was the British. Well, they also the dumped the, They also dumped the tea. Affected. They dumped the tea into Boston Harbor. They didn't grab as many tennis shoes as they could and run home and wear them. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, if it's, you know, a Gucci or a Nike, yeah, they're very big companies that have insurance. But is that is that showing your oppressors that you mean business, or is that you taking advantage of a situation? Tearing down a statue with, uh, in the colonies of King George or another higher um, British uh, king, general, whatever you want, that's showing your oppressors something. So in, when I hear people saying, Riots are riots and vandalism aren't American. I would have to disagree with them, but you know it has to be for the cause. 
and we would agree. Uh, thank, thanks for this. I mean, I guess I, 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 I mean, Zach, I, I'd like to make your point. I, I think a lot of people are probably listening, going, "Okay, so you're 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 you're, you're trying." I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, I, I mean, when when we saw what happened in Madison, where, for example, those statues were torn down, that that was to me rioting for the sake of rioting. It wasn't like, oh, we're targeting this particular statue. We're going to take forward. We're going to pull it down. It was just flat out vandalism and violence and things things of the like. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think we could all agree that what happened la- on Sunday night in in Chicago had nothing to do with any sort of of protest. It was all. It was opportunists and anarchists who said, hey, this, this is going to be my chance to get some TVs or to get some Gucci clothing and things like that. It had nothing to do with reparations. It was a bunch of criminals who sought an opportunity. And the unfortunate thing to me is that, again, people that are out there, white, black, brown, who might be sympathetic with some of the goals of the Black Lives Matter movement, when you've got Black Lives Matter Chicago coming out and saying, hey, we, we want the, these people who vandalized the stores we want them released and and th- this was justifiable this this we think this is completely appropriate or or here all they were doing was helping themselves and the stores have insurance okay that's where you lose 80 to 85 to 90 percent of the public including people who may otherwise be sympathetic with some of your goals but look at this and say we don't want to be a part of this club because these aren't protesters these are flat-out criminals who are trying to enrich themselves Wow. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. The 2020 Wisconsin State Fair. Oh, no, I've read that one before. No preseason, no problem. We brought you Brewers Classics. We brought you Bucks Classics. Now it's time for Packers Classics to scratch our NFL itch. It's 1994, and it's Brett Favre's first playoff game. The Packer down three with two minutes left. What happens next? Tune in this Sunday at 6 to find out. Packers Classic is sponsored by Health Tradition, Sitzberger & Company CPAs, and West Bend Insurance. All right. Today is is primary election day. It's a partisan primary. Um, in, in there's, I'm trying to think what the big races are. Um, uh, at least on the Republican side, if Jim Sensenbrenner has been your congressman for decades and decades, uh, Jim Sensenbrenner is re- retiring. And um, what's happening is there's an election to fill his seat. Uh, the, the overriding favorite is Speaker, the, the head of the Senate, uh, Republican leader of the Senate, Scott Fitzgerald. He, he's running. But there's that primary that's there. Um, otherwise, it's a partisan primary situation to choose nominees. So you're not going to have as many people turning out to vote, for example, as you've, you know, had, you know, in, in, as you'll have in November and things like that. But one of the things that's going on is that you have people who are, who have voted early and they've, they've used the absentee voting process to, to do that. Now, in Wisconsin, you can vote on election day. You can go to the polls. The polls are, I believe, open until, what, 8 o'clock tonight. You know, they open up at 7 in the morning. So you can physically show up. You can vote. In Wisconsin, you have the opportunity to early vote absentee. 
In in other words, you could show up, and a lot of the polling places were open before the election, and you can go and you can show up and you can vote in person absentee. All right, or you can request a ballot by mail if you decide that you don't want to go to the polling place or go to city hall you could have sent in the requisite form you could have asked to receive a ballot in the mail you could have gotten the ballot in the mail you could have filled it out there's things you have to do to make sure it's going to count and you could have sent it back so you've got three different options essentially early in-person absentee voting by mail absentee voting or voting in person there is a movement in in this country to do away with the need to actually have to go to your polling place and, and vote and in in some jurisdictions the, matter of fact they don't even open the polls on election day it's all voting by mail and there's some people who think it's the greatest thing in the world there's other people like me who think that i, I don't know that it's a recipe for voter fraud or anything like that but candidly I love going, first of all, I love the process of going to the polls in person, and I love the idea of, I love it when you just take that ballot and you you put it in the machine and the machine takes it and it registers that you didn't make any mistakes on that. The the idea, and this is not a knock on the U.S. Postal Service, I love my friends and listeners who, you know, work for the Postal Service, but candidly, I just don't think I personally trust the mail-in process enough that I would be comfortable with with doing it. To me, there's just so many variables that are out there. You request the absentee ballot in advance. All right, what you got to do it in a timely enough fashion to make sure you get it. Then you send it back. You really, you know, are you guaranteed that it's going to be received in a timely fashion? No, not not so much so. So I, I have no problem with giving people the option to vote by mail if they choose to do it. But the idea of saying we're no longer going to give you the option of going and voting in person, that's just absolutely unacceptable. And it is interesting because this is one that appears to break down a little bit on partisan lines. Um, Melissa was just talking about the Marquette University Law School poll that's out there. That was one of the questions. They, they, they said, okay, are you going to vote? How are you going to, to vote this November? Here's here's the deal. Among Republicans, 67% say they will vote in person on election day. 12% say they will vote in person early and 15% will vote by mail. I I don't know. For my wife and I, I, she lets me speak for her occasionally, we, we will either vote in person on election day or we will vote in person early. I can guarantee you we will not be voting by mail. We're going to show up in person. Among Democrats, now keep in mind, 67% of Republicans say they're going to vote in person on election day. Get this, among Democrats, 27% say they will vote in person on election day. That's a 40-point swing. Two-thirds of Republicans say they're going to vote in person on election day. And then when you add in the people that are going to vote early, 80% of Republicans say they're going to show up in person. 27% of Democrats say that they will vote in person on Election Day. 12% say they're going to vote early. 55% say they are going to vote by mail. So, more, And again, you, you can take these poll numbers for what they're worth, but it's an interesting split. 
15% of Republicans say they're going to vote by mail, 55% of Democrats. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't care if people, if government wants to give people the, the vote by mail option. That, that that's That's fine with me. Don't have a problem with it. I'm not going to be doing that, though. The only... The only situation I could ever imagine voting by mail would be a situation where I'm going to be out of the country or out of town on Election Day, and I physically can't either do it on Election Day or I physically can't do it the the week before for early voting. Otherwise, I am showing up. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There is a movement in this country to take away your ability to vote in person. I cannot tell you how strongly I oppose that. If if people, again, if you want to give people the opportunity to vote by mail, that, that's a whole different discussion. But as far as in-person voting, I, I want to go there. I, I want to I want to either fill out the ballot and give it if it's early voting, give it to the to the gal or the guy that's sitting behind the thing and watch him put it in the box, or I want to put it in the machine myself on election day. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you like to have your ability taken away to go and vote in person? Do you think we should go to all male elections? M A I L. My answer is not just no, but heck no. 855-616-1620. We discuss next. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Greg in New Berlin. Hi, Greg. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I agree that it, it's just not a good idea, mail-in voting. There's there's just not enough security uh, in it, and and just as an example, when I when I voted this morning, I was there about ten after seven, ten after the minutes mm-hmm. after the polls opened, and there were already one couple, and there might have been a third person who the poll director was on on the phone with somebody, saying, "Well, I have uh, some people here who say they did not mail in their their vote, but yet when they checked, it showed that they had already right. voted." Right. And, the people said, you know, they, they requested the ballots. They said, we never got them, so we came to vote in person, and now they're saying, you know. You've already voted, yeah. Already voted. yeah. Yeah. No, well, there, I mean, no, thanks, see, the things are, I mean, those those are some of the real problems that, that are out there. Now, of course, that, you know, that's a problem with our present system, you know, because they, they, they tried to do that. But but it is, the problem you have is there, there are all these potentialities that are there and by that i mean right you're you're always going to have people who aren't going to request the absentee ballot in a timely fashion or they're not going to return it in a timely fashion or the stuff is going to get lost in the mail and again it's it's not an indictment of the postal system it's not an indictment of the clerks although you know you do have these clerks offices that are i think are kind of overwhelmed by this but i guess it's the possibility and even if we don't want to talk about fraud let's Let's put aside the question of fraud, that you might have people request ballots and then fill them out for other people and all that sort of stuff. Let, let's just put the question of fraud aside because that, that's where it gets like really, really controversial because there are people who are advocates of this who believe it's going to help their side who say, well, there's no evidence of fraud. Then there's other people who don't think it's going to help their side who are saying it's going to be nothing but fraud. I, I, I don't know. 
I don't care about the fraud aspect. I'm going to put that aside. I think it is important to give people the options. And, and like I say, in Wisconsin right now, I, I think the system works pretty well. You, you have people who want to vote early. They have the ability to do that. If you feel comfortable with doing it via the mail, you, you, you can do it. At the same time, there's a lot of us that like the idea of showing up in person. And, and that's, that I think is important as well. And I mean, I've, I've said this before. Part of it, and, and maybe this is just kind of my Norman Rockwell view of democracy. I just, there is something I find to be completely and totally American about showing up on election day and standing in line. Sometimes it's a longer line than you would like, but standing in line with your fellow citizens and, you know, getting that ballot and going in and filling it out. I, I find it to be just a uniquely, a, a, an exercise in democracy that I absolutely love. Now, I, I get it. Other people would say, Jeff, that's just a waste of your time. If you can stand in line at a polling place, that's God's way of telling you you have too much time on your hands. And, and okay, I, I respect that position. For you, fine. Request the thing. Make sure you do it in a timely fashion. Make sure you jump through all the hoops and, and get it back and hope it gets delivered and hope it gets counted. I, that's fine with me. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do it, but at the same time, I'm just that, – that's not me. Don't take away my right to go and vote in person. Um, Jeff, okay, here's some text. Jeff, I don't trust those now in charge of the post office. Vote in person. But to me, it's not, a, again, it's not a question of trust. I, I'm not trying to spread a conspiracy theory. I'm just saying I want to make sure my vote gets counted. Plus, I like going and voting in person. Jeff, heck no. The post office can't handle daily mail, let alone have to trust our elections to them. Um, did you follow what happened in Fox Point and in Appleton last spring? Ballots were sent out by municipalities, never delivered to the voters. I voted this, pers- uh, this person this morning in the village of Bayside. It was perfectly run. Yeah, I I just uh, did it. Jeff, I live in Wauwatosa. I did not request but received two ballots in separate mailings. This is why we don't need the mail. Now, I wonder if they got the ballots or they got the applications for the ballots. But but regardless, I, I think you know, I, I think this is, this is to me, it, it's democracy. Jeff, I agree with you. I also make a point of bringing my children along with me every time to teach them civic responsibility. You know, it's interesting. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when, when you, now, nowadays, pretty much everybody wears seatbelts, uh, but, but, there was a time when, when lots of people didn't wear seatbelts, and one of the things they looked at is what, what was one of the big predictors of whether or not you wore a seatbelt? Well, it's whether your parents wore seatbelts. Because if you grew up in that, okay, buckle up, you, you ended up doing it. I think there's a lot to be said about voting as well. It's funny that this, this texture made that point. My, I, I've, I can vividly remember just, just election nights when I was growing up in Glendale. And, and what would happen is the voting place when I was a kid was at the old, at, at my old elementary school, Green Tree Elementary School. And what would happen would be my dad would come home from work. And myself and my brother and my mom, we'd all get in the car and we'd, we'd drive up. That's where they voted. We'd drive up to the elementary school and we would either go in or we'd sit in the car and wait while mom and dad went in. They cast their votes and they'd come back and, and then we'd, we'd go out to dinner somewhere. True story. 
election night, November of 1968. It's weird how your mind works because from time to time, I, I can't remember what I'm supposed to do tomorrow morning um, or what I did yesterday. But I remember election night, 1968. That was Hubert Humphrey running against Richard Nixon. They went and they voted. They voted at Green Tree Elementary. And then we went down to the Marks Big Boy on Port Washington Road and had dinner. I just, for some reason, that's always stuck in, in my mind. But I, I can remember that was just the way that they instilled, you know, you know, voting, um, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, that's one of the things. Do do you get that same sense if you, you know, just order the ballot and fill it out at your kitchen table and send it in? I don't know. Jeff, I love going to the poll and feeling that my votes count. Well, I, I think there is an element. Jeff, can a mail-in vote lead to problems with the certification process? If so, um, you know, how how could this work out? Jeff, voting in person by today's standards, I trust nothing. That That's sad, but that's one of the reasons that I, I like to do it. Again, for me, it, it's, not a, it's not a trust issue. It's just an issue of I, I like to do it. Also, one of the things that's going to happen, and, and you're going to see this play out uh, for a while, when you do the mail-in voting, it it's going to delay election results. Because, I mean, for example, right now, with the, um, you know, right now, when it comes to, like, like the absentee voting, it, it has to be received by, by election day. Well, I mean, if you allow the mail-in voting, some of the places that are doing it, what they have is you have a week or two after the election for the votes to be counted. So you don't know exactly what the results are. That, that's not good. I, I like the idea that, hey, we're going to look at the polls. We're going to count the absentee ballots. We're going to figure out who the winner is, either election night or the next night. I think that ends up being good for democracy. So when I oppose mail-in voting, it's not that I'm opposing the whole concept of being able to vote by mail. It's don't take my right to go vote in person away. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Crew producing the show today and always. See, what's going on on the TV there, this is, this is making my point. And, and then we, we started off the program talking, well, about one of the stupid, most stupid rules that, you know, regardless of how you feel about mask mandates and stuff, some members of the Evers administration have, have really outdone themselves. And again, I, I sent out a note about this. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Matter of fact, I just spent, sent out a new note. Um, if people were wondering, was I making up that stuff about the Black Lives Matter movement in Chicago? At least organizers coming out and defending the looters and the rioters and the people who attacked police. I, I wasn't. I got a link to the, the story, and my note there was want to undermine a legitimate social m- justice movement in a hurry. Have its leaders try to justify rioting, looting, and attacks on police officers. But I've got a link to that story. But but earlier, you know, today we spent some time talking about the 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 head of the DNR, Tony Evers DNR, who apparently issued a rule in order to all the DNR employees that if they're if they're doing Zoom conferencing, you know, the the over the computers and stuff, and either doing it from their homes, and even if they're by themselves in their homes, they they should they should wear masks even though it's acknowledged that there is no medical or public health reason for for doing that. But it's just 
wear masks because we want it to, to look good. And my point is, if you want to inspire people to, again, follow stuff, you, you have to base it on the science and you have to be smart about these things and, and telling people to wear masks when they're at their home by themselves and their computers, unless you've got somebody in the house that, you know, has, has issues. But, but apart from that, it's just silly to direct people to wear masks in your home when you're on, when you're on the, the computer. Well, anyhow, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the public health updates that they do for Milwaukee County and the city. And there's Tom Barrett and looks to me like Tom Barrett is in his office. He could, a lot of times he does it from his home. It looks to me like he's in his office at City Hall and he's not wearing a mask. Now, I, you know, am I, am I going to fault the mayor for doing that? Well, of course not, because, you know, under those circumstances, I understand why he's, he's not wearing the mask. He wants to be able to communicate, et cetera. And there's no health reason for him to do that. Just like it's flat out crazy to tell employees to wear masks while participating in Zoom meetings when you're in your own home. So, I mean, and matter of fact, I don't think anybody that's participating in this, this thing I'm looking at now, that looks like none of these health officials are, are wearing masks because, well, presumably they're kind of by themselves and there's no purpose to be served by this. And again, as I pointed out, you wonder why some people find some mask rules and some of the Tony Evers edicts to be ridiculous. And it's things like this. You know, we were talking, I, I love the term that, that Melissa uses about sports, that the bubble basketball thing, or um, which refers to what's going on in, in the NBA. One of the interesting stories that's out there is that Major League Baseball, if they can get to the postseason, and I, I mean, that, that's a lot of ifs. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals who what haven't played in a week and who knows when they're going to play next. But you've got the St. Louis Cardinals that have just been, been hit by COVID-19. One of the things I was saying all along is the problem I think baseball is going to have is that there's not a bubble. You know, at least with the NBA, everybody's confined into the Disney World area. And you're going to have people that that presumably you know, break curfew and things like that. But you've got a chance because you're, you're not traveling. With baseball, they're, they're traveling all over. You know, you, you've got people going to different cities. You've now had not one but two Cleveland Indians players who've been unable to follow the rules, and they've kind of crashed out. They, they've left and they've gone out and they've associated with people you know, invi- outside of the hotel or whatever, and they've had to be sent home. Um, so as long as you've got that travel, you're going to have that, that issue. And apparently what Major League Baseball is considering doing is, for the playoffs, creating a couple of their own bubbles, not just one, but maybe two or three. Perhaps one in California where, you know, all the, the teams, for example, on the West Coast, you know, they'll have their first couple rounds of their playoffs. They'll be in California. You find one in the East Coast. But for the teams in kind of the center of the country, apparently Miller Park is one of the places that's being considered for, for a bubble. And if you think about it, it, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense primarily because Miller Park has, has the roof. And so you don't have to worry if you're playing, you know, a couple rounds of playoff games in, in October, you, you don't have to worry that those games aren't going to be able to be played. You know, the weather's going to be decent. If you try to play in Chicago, well, you're, you're not going to be guaranteed about that, but you know, you're going to be able to play the games at Miller Park. Now, I think that would be kind of a cool alternative. The Brewers are going to have to start playing a lot better baseball if they're going to be in these playoffs. But regardless, I think it would be kind of cool, and it would certainly 
make sense, to me at least, for baseball to go to the bubble concept and for at least the, the bubble for the middle part of the country to be in Milwaukee. How cool would that be? Okay, when, when we come back, consequences from defunding the police and should we close the borders to citizens? I'll explain. Stick around. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a question for you that I'd like to discuss. And I guess the best way I could put it is this. Do you have coronavirus fatigue? I, I it, there, There's a Gallup poll that came out not that long ago, said 73% of adults viewed the pandemic as growing worse. And that's the highest level of pessimism recorded since Gallup began tracking this this poll, this question. The Marquette University Law School poll, which came out today, says that um, here's the deal. The August poll, 27% say they are very worried about COVID-19 and 36% say they are worried. So between worried and very worried, you've got 64%. Um, late March, it was 70%. June, it was 55%. So June to August, more and more people say they have become worried about, about COVID-19. And I bring this question up because I've, I just kind of relate things to my personal life. And I've, I've been talking to, when, when I go out, I, I talk to my friends and stuff. And obviously, this is one of the, the topics that we end up discussing. And, and in general... I think it's what I'm calling the, the, the COVID-19 fatigue. And that is, you know, this started in March. I, I do think it's wearing on people. I think people, um, whether it's nervous about getting it or frustrated that things aren't getting better or seeing no end in, in sight, I think it's wearing on, on people's nerves. Plus, you see the, the spinoff effects. You see the businesses that have been closed because of this that aren't reopening or the fact that people are uncomfortable in going into restaurants or that you can't go to, to baseball games. And it looks like the, the college football season is going to be canceled. And my guess is the college basketball season is probably going to be canceled or at least you're not going to be able to see games in, in person. And like around here, the, the summer is perhaps opened up has perhaps opened up opportunities. So you can at least get outside and you can do these things. But come, you know, come October, and we're already you know in mid August now, August September October. Come mid October, and your chances of, of doing stuff outside are going to be reduced. And then by like early or mid November, in ninety days, you know, we're going to all be stuck back in our our houses again. And I think it's it's that fatigue that is is wearing on on people and a lot of frustration. And I think one of the other things that's out there is, you know, we, we talk a lot about these mask mandates and stuff. And and I hate to I hate to be this guy, but you know, there's a lot of states that have had mask mandates for a few months now. And this is one of the stories that people don't talk about. You know, all these states, you know, in the Sun Belt and stuff like that, and in Florida and California, I mean, California's had a statewide mask mandate since the middle of June, and July, August, things aren't really getting appreciably any better. So, I mean, as somebody who wants to get past this 
and, and see what the new normal is looking like. And I know there's all these people that say, okay, wearing a mask, that's going to make the difference. And this isn't railing against mask rules. It's just, I, I don't know, because states that have had the mask rules in effect, they're, 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 they're still dealing with, with surges, which tells me that maybe, maybe even if you get the mask rule and you get people wearing masks, that's not necessarily going to be the be all end all. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When, when I talk about coronavirus fatigue, do you know what I mean? And do you find yourself kind of suffering from that? The frustrations that we can't do what we normally used to do, and we don't know when this whole thing is going to end, and we don't know what the next shoe to drop is going to be. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have coronavirus fatigue? I, I will tell you, um, I, I'm I'm a pretty even-keeled guy, but I, I, I'm not looking forward to the next couple months. I mean, the, the summer has been kind of okay, but that's only because we've been able to get outside and do things like that. If there's not a market improvement over the course of the next 60 days and, and you don't have a vaccine on the horizon, regardless of what they say they've got in, in Russia, no way I would be taking that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm not looking forward to the next couple months because I'm not sure I'm not sure it's going to be any better. I don't think we're going to go to a shutdown like we had before, but at the same time, I, I don't think we're going to be back to normal anytime soon, and I do find that to be wearing. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and a couple of people in the text line are making the point, if, if, if there's coronavirus fatigue now, can you imagine what happens in the next month? Or, well, two things are going to happen in the next couple of months. First of all, around here, the weather is going to turn. So for those of us who have been you know, going outside and enjoying the warm weather and being able to socialize and eat outside on decks and things of the like, we're, we're going to lose the ability to do that pretty quickly. Also, you know, it's going to be time for kids to go back to school. And there, there's a lot of schools that aren't going to reopen. So it, it's not just the question of, uh, of the coronavirus thing, but for all you parents out there, you know, you're going to be having to deal with the whole remote learning and the virtual learning and all that stuff as well. Here's a text, Jeff. I'm totally fati- fatigued. The pandemic plus a cooped up three-year-old and a one-year-old bedtime beer has never tasted so good. Jeff, I have COVID fatigue. All these mandates and the case rates continue to rise. No one is talking about it. We need to stop living in fear and start getting back to some sense of normalcy. We can't continue to shelter our kids and this mental anguish is getting old. This isn't going away and we need to learn how to live with this. I mean, I do, again, this isn't a discussion of the mask mandates one way or the other, but to me, this is one of the stories that just not getting the attention is let, let's look at some of these states. Forget Wisconsin. Let's look at these states that that have had that are watching, seeing this explosion of COVID nineteen, and they've got mask mandates. They, they've had mask mandates, and that tells me maybe the mask mandates. And I'm, I'm not saying they're good, bad, and different. Maybe they're not the the be all end all. And maybe the reality is we're, we're just we are going to have to figure out a way to live with this until you get the vaccine. And, and if you didn't realize my illusion earlier on, uh, Russia announced today. That they have, they have registered the world's first COVID nineteen vaccine. Um, at the same time, 
apparently uh, it's been the subject of very, very limited testing. Um, there, there's been no what they call efficacy reports on on this. Um, they, they didn't do what the government, what we would call like phase three trials here. They've just really kind of, you know, ru- rushed this through. And hopefully it's going to work, but I'm color me a little bit skeptical. All right, let's start with Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. Say, I was just going to say, I've been watching this thing since the beginning. Not actually the beginning, but since April. And, and in April, we had 300,000 cases, 8,500 deaths. We now have 162,988 deaths. We have five, five million cases. I understand testing, but you know, let's, let's try this mass thing. If it don't work, let's at least try it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying in other states it's not working and it, it may not be working in, but don't put another thing inside people's minds saying that the mass may not work well but what if but, but, but that's the, but i'm not see tom thanks for i'm look I'm, I'm not this isn't a discussion about don't wear a mask I, I understand the rules are wear a mask i'm talking about coronavirus i'm talking about coronavirus fatigue i i'm yeah, yes go, go ahead and wear the mask i'm just saying that in a lot of states that have had mask mandates that 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 hasn't turned stuff around and, and so that's what I want to talk about is how the psychology of this, not whether you should wear a mask or not. The rules say you wear a mask. So, okay, wear, wear a mask. I'm not trying to discourage that. But what I'm sort of wondering is how are you holding up through this? And how are you going to hold up over the course of the next few months or so, particularly if, if these numbers kind of continue, which is what my guess is they're, they're going to. Let's talk to Gianni in Montello. Hi, Gianni. Uh, hello, Jeff. Um, Jeff, I, I don't know if I would call it mask fatigue, but I, I excuse me, not Co- mask right, fatigue. Right, coronavirus. Uh, virus, fatigue. Yeah. Coronavirus. The coronavirus. Uh, I, I have coronavirus worry, and 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 that's going to that's now extending, probably um, over the next six months. And I have to make a confession, Jeff. Um, because I don't think, uh, and I'm quoting you, I don't think this virus is going away. I am kind of worried, and I'm, I, I confess that I am starting to stock up. Um, I'm starting to stock up on, on paper products. I care for my father. He's 94 years old, has Parkinson's. So uh, paper products, uh, rubber gloves, um, diapers, and also food products, meat. And um, I'll be buying a 50-pound bag of potatoes, rice, beans. I just don't know where we're going in the next five months, and nobody does. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I'm. I, if, if we don't call it fatigue, I, I would say it. Uh, coronavirus worry yeah. is something that concerns me, at least for the next six months. Yeah. And um, no, thanks for calling. You know, I think as, that's as fair. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. And I guess that that's my that's my point here. This isn't a rant about mask mandates or anything like that. It, it's just a reality. It, it's a reality check that th- this is, I think, kind of a new normal for for a while. And I mean, here's the tech, Jeff. I I don't know. It's a fatigue. I, I think maybe it's Corona depression. I love fairs. I love the holiday season all the fairs are canceled holiday things are starting to fall yeah i mean you've you know that we're on the you know brewers on deck next january has been canceled i mean that's that's so we're, we're already looking out to that halloween i just i did a topic on this last week i don't see halloween happening i i just i'm, I'm not hoping this is happening but again and one of the things i think has gotten a lot of us here in this area 
through the summer is the fact that you've got the weather and it's good. You can go outside and, and you can do things. Okay, you can't go to a baseball game, but you, you can ride your bicycle or you can go jogging or I've been playing more golf this summer than I played in years and years because it's the activity that my, my wife and I can do. And we, we get out together and you, you can do it and it's a safe activity unless you're you know, in the line of one of my golf balls or something, but but we're able to do that. But I also understand that there's a window of that and, and the ability to eat outside on patios and to do all these different things, that's going to go away sooner, unfortunately, rather than later. And and I don't know what the end of it is. So th- this this is what I'm talking about when we discuss the, the whole, you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus fatigue. And I think you're starting to see more and more of that. And it's reflected in the polls where people, you know, maybe a couple months ago were, were hoping there was going to be an end to this and now are recognizing, all right, maybe this is going to be the new normal, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't know. They're talking about playing football in the spring, you know, Big Ten football in the spring. Hope they're able to do it. But what do we really know that's difficult? You know, what do we really think is going to necessarily be different you know, come March than, than is now, unless and until they develop a vaccine and it's widely available and people decide to, to take it. Hope I'm wrong. Look, I, I want 2020 to, I just, I want to put 2020 in our rearview mirror and, and get to 2021 and get back to some sense of normal as soon as possible. But I'm just, I'm wondering how it's going to happen.